This is The Art Life. Hello, I'm Zandra Robinson Burns, founder of Heroin Training, where you can find my essays and this network of podcasts. Today's episode is about night owls like Grace and early birds like me. And so I am pleased to introduce my co-host, actress and activist, Grace Gordon. Grace, how is your art life? I am having a frustrating week in my art life, but I'm so glad that we have this podcast because we continue to receive lovely notes and feedback from friends and listeners. We got our first letter in the mail. We got our first handwritten letter in our P.O. box. So I just want to give a shout out to listener Ashley McDonald, who used to listen to my book podcast back in Philly like from years ago. She found the art life and wrote us this gorgeous letter, which just like made my whole week. So thank you, Ashley. Um, And in terms of why it's frustrating, I'm having one of those weeks in freelance artist life where there's just been a lot of last minute cancellations. Mm. And I was just saying to someone tonight, like, this is kind of the lifestyle at any level. There are weeks where everything works out and I'm like riding a high and I'm I'm like, you know, oh, I'm really doing it. <laughs> Everything's working out so well. And then there's weeks like this where like there's just flakiness and kind of I get in a lot of time wasting emails and then have to deal with last minute cancellations. So I am just riding the wave this week, knowing that there's nothing that I need to change. Like I have my business practices pretty solid i'm i'm doing everything right it's just that sometimes it's like this and at a certain point in your career if if freelance art making is your career it's not as much about you doing something wrong it's that there are just situations like this there are flaky people there are late payments there are time wasting emails and you just have to know that that's part of the life. So I do feel like for all of the frustration that this week has brought me, I am really glad that I have this perspective because I feel like even six months ago, I would have been just like so mad. Is there anything besides the perspective that you have set in place that helps you systemize this process of when something like this happens, when you get a cancellation, is there any adjustment that you've made in how you process things like that that are out of your control? I think that when I was starting out, it was really helpful to specify the language that I used in emails. It was really helpful to like have a script that I use basically for my Mm -hmm. rates and just, you know, know how to gauge the kind of inquiries that I get um you you start to get used to like who is and isn't wasting your time mm-hmm. so I think that the, all of that has been like the most helpful thing um just getting more comfortable with like really standing my ground about money about scheduling and reminding people that like this isn't a hobby for me particularly with modeling work um Unfortunately, you know, I think sometimes people just think it's like fun and easy 
and I'm just hanging out and I'm like, no, like this is a job. <laughs> this is a job that I'm paid for. So I think like really like creating a clear, concise um, script when I talk about rates and schedules has been supremely helpful so that I never feel like, oh, did I miscommunicate? Like, no, I know that I communicate really well. Um, and it's also really helpful just to talk to other creatives when I feel like this. Like, I think sometimes in the past I felt isolated or like, you know, in the moment I'm like, is there something wrong with me or am I the only person dealing with this? And I think this week I definitely, I vented a little bit to different artist friends and it was just so helpful to hear back like, oh yeah, I hate when that happens. You know, oh yeah, sometimes that's, that's just the week. And that was great because it just reminded me that I'm not alone in this and that, and that this is just something that you go through at any level. Um, and I remind myself too, a lot of the time, I mean, at least working in the film industry, a lot of the problems that I experience, even on a small scale, those are going to exist at any point in my career. So that is also helpful, even though it's like kind of, I mean, I guess it's pessimistic. I don't know. I mean, I'm certainly an optimist, but like, it's almost like this, it, it makes it feel less catastrophic. Mm when things fall through because I know that you know even if I was an A-list movie star sometimes films would never get finished or sometimes my scenes would get cut or something would be recast like that's gonna happen to me at any level or you know whatever I really want a part that I don't get um all of that happens to artists at any freaking level so it's just been really helpful to have a, a broader perspective this week. I think in terms of whether that's pessimistic, what stood out to me and how you phrased it was that the important thing is understanding that it's not personal. That it's not because you did something wrong. Some people are disorganized or flaky or cancellations happen. And when it when something like that happens to me, I think back on when things like this have happened to me. I used to, in the early days, think I must have done something wrong to be treated this way. Exactly. And yeah, when that's that's not the case, this is unfortunately normal. But knowing that that is to be expected every now and then, that takes a lot of the weight off of me personally. Yeah, and I think like, if you're starting out, you do have to do things like write your script, know what your rates are. You do have to, like, there's a learning curve with all of that, for sure. Because I think when I was starting, like, I did sometimes get walked all over mm. because I didn't know what I was doing. But I also have to remind myself now, like, that's not the position I'm in anymore. You know, I think, you know, that's what the fear is that comes up is like, oh my gosh, am I just so green that people are able to walk all over me or something. And it's like, no, like I'm actually doing it all right. Um, and it's not personal. Yeah, people go through their own stuff and you know, it, their schedules book up, they maybe they are broke and they can't pay their artists that they hired. Unfortunately, that happens quite a lot. And a lot of it is not 
a lot of it is not necessarily the personal fault of the other person as well, but something that is a greater issue that needs to be confronted within the industries that we work in. Um, Like you were mentioning, modeling in particular, people tend to think that it's a fun hobby. In the Netflix TV show, Stay Here, in every episode, they the hosts would gift the people that they were working with, the people that they were renovating their home, they would gift them something to help with the short-term rental that they were selling. So it was a TV that they gifted or a smart fridge, and they would use that language of, we're going to gift you this. And then one of the episodes, they had a blogger who was going to help this couple market their rental. And the language was different where they said, this writer is going to write for you for free. And it really struck me that when it's a refrigerator, it's a gift. There's an implication that somebody has paid for it. But when it's a writer offering services, that person is expected to do it for free. And I'm not sure if the network paid for him to do this, but the way that it was portrayed was just out of the goodness of his heart, this freelancer is going to do a lot of free work for you. And I thought that was... That's weird. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it stood out to me as this misconception in the world of when I'm working with someone who expects me to write for free, it's coming from perpetuations like this on on Netflix or online elsewhere of guest posting there's this culture that needs to change yeah and I'm like pretty rigid about like I just don't work for free period at this point because I also think that having like umbrella boundaries makes me feel a lot better about advocating for myself like even on my Instagram, in my bio, it says DMs for paid bookings only. Mm -hmm. And I feel really good about that because then I never feel guilty or weird about not replying to strangers or replying to, you know, requests for free work. Like it says in my bio that I don't work for free and I don't want to be contacted by strangers basically socially. And so that's been really helpful because it's like the boundary is so out there that I then never have to question re-articulating it or feel like a jerk. I don't feel like a jerk. Like it's out in the world and people can choose to respect me or not by asking me to work for free. But I don't have to feel like a jerk for saying no. Well, I hope the audience has enjoyed this mini episode on the art of setting boundaries to be continued. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So I actually feel a lot better having just talked about that great um with you so i'm very glad that we that even though i started this off with like a oh it's frustrating (laughs) i you know i'm I'm, yet again i'm reminded that doing everything right having boundaries is healthy and that sometimes it's just like this sandra how is your art life my art life is musical at the moment I, I had a, an anecdote all ready to go and decided to throw it out the window this morning because Rory, who does the music for this show, a dear friend of mine, her new single came out today. It's called Train. And I've heard it before. I've heard her perform it acoustically. But this studio version 
that came up on my Spotify pre-save today. I just thought, I'll listen to this while I am doing my morning writing. It's so good! And it's it was instantly a track that I, I started to play on repeat. It feels like it belongs on the Gossip Girl soundtrack. I, I just love when I discover a song like this. I challenge myself to discover new music every week and when it just, I want to hear a song on repeat and write to it and dance to it and walk down the street to it, then it just, it's such a simple way of living the art life. So I love that you challenge yourself to listen to new music or discover new music every week. How do you go about that? How do I go about that? I... I'm always, you know, it's it's so easy to listen to music and I just need to prioritize it where it's listening to a a playlist, a new playlist that a friend made or that Spotify made for me. Spotify knows me really well these days. Or what I would do as a child and I still do is I listen really carefully when I'm watching TV or watching a movie and I will pull a song from the soundtrack and I think that I especially connect to soundtracks because there's already a story attached to it and that's what really compels me with music is when I can attribute meaning to a song and I'm always looking for recommendations as well so if you or anyone listening is has a song like that that they're just in love with please send it to me that's such a great gift or make an art life playlist. Oh, can we? We can, but also our listeners can. Yes, collab. We'll collab. I love the idea of people like submitting their art life playlist. Yeah. The things that keep them creative or wind them down, the things that they listen to while writing, whatever or dance to, you know, whatever the medium is. I think that's such an exciting idea. Something that we mentioned in our first ever episode of The Art Life is that our recording time for me is at 8 a.m. here in the UK, and for you, Grace, is at midnight on the West Coast of the USA. And I, I love that detail of this show that we are spanning the time zones and also that it connects so well with our natural tendencies of me being an early bird and you being a night owl. So this felt like a natural topic to explore on the show. So I'd like to start by asking you, what is your routine? What is What helps you get ready in the morning? What helps you wind down at night? I'll start with the morning because I'd like to just breeze over that one. <laughs> Anyone who knows me intimately in my family, a roommate, anything at all, knows that I am atrocious in the morning. Um, I am like Sailor Moon. Like, I always just describe myself as Sailor Moon, who, you know, bitterly complains throughout that cartoon anytime she has to get out of bed. I'm pretty much that. Um... <laughs> especially admittedly because I'm such a cough like a caffeine addict 
So I, luckily I have a really solid morning routine at this point. And because of the, the flexibility that my lifestyle provides me, um, through acting and modeling, like normally happening later in the day, I'm able to luxuriate in slow mornings over here in Los Angeles. I, um, I wake up and have my coffee. I do morning pages, three pages of longhand journaling every morning, and I write a gratitude list, and I meditate. And I think routines could be a whole episode. Daily practices could be its own thing. Um, but because we're talking morning versus night, not a fan of the morning, and I've, I've found a way to, whenever possible, just take my time with it because that's what I need. Mm-hmm. I, I usually wake up naturally. I don't use an alarm unless I have to shoot. And I always say that like the only things that I will get up early for are a flight or a shoot. So the only time you're going to see me out of the house before 8 a.m. or 9 a.m., frankly, is like work or I am catching a plane. And that's just the way it is. <laughs> um... Now, in terms of nighttime, I don't really have a routine. Um, it's, you know, it's even though I'm not a morning person, I have so much more of a routine there. I just find that I'm much more inspired in the night and I'm much more social. I'm much more warm and open. And I feel like, you know, I love how working in the film industry, so many events that I have to go to anyway are in the evening. Um, and I have no problem with the late night schedule that this field makes me have um i've had a lot of premieres that i've had to go to lately um because it's award season starting up and a lot of um shows are coming out and and studios are like campaigning to get awards voters you know to see their show and watch talk back so i've been having to go to a lot of those things and which has been like tons of fun but that means that i'm out late like on most weeknights um, and I'm just so glad that I'm a night owl because like, it's awesome. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm living the dream. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm so glad that I, I work in this field because I just, my body chemistry is night owl body chemistry. I mean, I don't know. I've always been this way, whether it was staying, like staying up late, reading, going out playing music like even when i was young i just was not a sleeper um and yeah i mean it's in some ways i'm like well i'm really doing what i was meant to do because i would say most events and meetings that i go to are actually in the evening here do you think that it is a chemistry thing because i I love all types of personality tests, and there seems to be debate with things like introvert versus extrovert. A lot of people claim to be both, which I don't understand. But with early bird versus night owl, that is such a polarizing one that I don't think I know anybody who doesn't identify as one or the other. That's a great point. I've never even thought about that before. Yeah, I mean, I have, a fr- like, a friend who's an actor and also, like, a fitness enthusiast, and she's always, like, getting up at, you know, 6 a.m., 5 a.m., and she's like, you know, that's, she's like, that's what you gotta do. Like, that's how you start the day off right. That's what, that's what, um, 
you know, powerhouse people get up at 5 a.m. I think a lot of like self-help gurus are all about the early morning. But I'm like, that would not work for my life. Like powerhouse grace is working late (laughs) into the night. Like, and even like when I'm shooting, I often have night shoots. So I don't, I I mean, I certainly feel like some people enjoy the morning it's just hard for me to imagine um (laughs) it it is a polarizing topic and i what's you know i i guess i struggle with the fact that like the morning people often seem to think they're they're right Mm -hmm. like that's you know that's what successful people do and i have no evidence of that um i think it's really about you know what line of work you're in and what works for you Um, I, one of my mentors out here in LA is a writer and, um, he, he's a screenwriter and he writes from like 12 AM to 5 AM. Wow. Like he, he inspired me so much when I moved out here. Um, because this is something I've, I've really struggled with throughout my life. I mean, to be perfectly honest, like the, the, main point of contention in my relationship with my mom when I was a teenager was this like I was impossible to raise from the dead to get to school (laughs) and it was miserable it was miserable for her it was miserable for me and you know luckily I worked it out and especially in the past few years have been like figuring out how to live my life in a way that just works for my body but I was so lucky to meet this this writer when I first got out here who's prolific and very, very successful. And um, he does his meetings, you know, at, this, at the studios or meets with his agent or has his dinner, like, um, or goes to whatever screening he has to go to. And usually that stuff is in the late afternoon or evening. And then he writes in the middle of the night. And I am like, thank God I met him and I heard that story because I wasn't really used to hearing stories like that from successful people. And I just always thought that I was like a mess. So Mm -hmm. I think that it really is just about what works for you. Um, And if you're a rock and roller like me, (laughs) that's okay. (laughs) There's a way to make that work. What about you? I mean, have you always been a morning person, an early riser, even as a kid? I don't really remember because I had a sleep disorder most of my life without realizing it. And so I was sort of a Oh wow. an all <laughs> a bird of all times of day. But I do remember as a kid being really cranky about bedtime. And my mom will my parents will remember this when one time I was like I get really cranky at night and um we were all up watching a movie or something as a family and I got I I freaked out because it was 10 o'clock and I was like 10 o'clock that that is so late I should be in bed and I was like eight years old or younger and I was just self-imposing this on on myself of like that is my bedtime my parents were not telling me to go to bed I just felt like I should have been in bed and then as a teenager, as an overworked teenager in high school, 
I became a night owl because I was so sleep deprived that I couldn't trust myself to wake up early to finish something. What I would do now, um, what I did this morning actually, is if I'm if I have more work to do, I will be twice as productive if I go to sleep and wake up an hour early than if I stay awake for an extra hour. But in high school, this was not an option because I could not trust myself to wake up early. I would sleep through it because I just I had so much sleep to catch up on. But that is one of the luxuries that I enjoy as an adult is having more control over my schedule and having less homework to do. This is so fascinating and it is affirming my like night owl identity because I have the opposite practice where like Mm. if I need to pack for a shoot or do any sort of like last minute prep and I have an early morning the next day, I have to do that stuff before I go to bed because I will be late. Mm. Like I'm not going to wake up an hour before I have to. It's not going to happen. I will magically convince myself that I don't need to do it and then be late. So I have the same rule, but just at the opposite hour. I feel so empowered being up early. And I think it's a it's a simplistic thing that gets it's that works its way into a lot of self-help books and teachings is that the early bird gets the worm. If you wake up early, then you have that head start on your day. And I think being an early bird is something that I have accidentally done right. It's a a privilege of a tendency that I have that I, I feel like sometimes I get praised for by society, but really it's it's the only way that I can function. And as you're describing the work events that you have at night, the um, the premieres that you go to and the the work that you do, I could not do that. <laughs> During the Fringe Festival, when there are shows going on later at night that I'm going to more regularly, I have to really gear up for that in the same way that you're describing having to approach a morning. I certainly think about it a lot because there are plenty of people in the film industry who have to get up for, you know, their workouts or whatever it is like they they have these or they you know have normal office hours and then they have to go to these late night premieres and I'm like I have no clue Zandra I have no clue how those people do it besides like yeah are they napping are they catching up and sleep on the weekends is no one sleeping here ever that might be likely um (laughs) maybe um but I'm certainly in months like this where I have so many evening commitments. I'm like, oh, thank God. Thank God I'm I'm programmed this way, which is also such a good feeling because most of my life I felt like there was something wrong with me. Mm. Something that I struggle with when I am out late at a show, I come home and even if I've spent a little bit of time walking home or taking a bus home, I... I'm still feeling really all buzzed up about my brain being engaged and just being awake. It's the I get through the being awake part and then I'm I'm there. I can't wind down anymore and I have to allow some more time before I can even consider 
falling asleep. Is that something that you ever experience or do you have ways of winding down after being out at night? It is definitely something I experience. And for me, it's more about just allowing my my body to be wherever it's at and listening to it. I would rather just stay up and read Mm. than try to force myself to go to sleep and toss and turn because I'm, you know, as a, just a anxious person, I'll just start ruminating about things that if I just allowed myself Mm. to be awake, I wouldn't have to deal with. So something that was really helpful for me was yet again, like a mentor person in my life when I was younger, she had a similar, like chaotic kind of sleep schedule that I did. And she was also an actress Um, And, and she said, you know, I, I think I was, I was taught, I was living with a boyfriend at the time who had like normal hours. And I always felt like I was, I don't know, like just, I I wasn't disturbing him because he, you know, obviously he just slept whenever he, he went to bed, whenever he needed to. But I think I was up late, like emailing her being like, oh, you know, I, I go to bed so late and like he has these normal hours and um, is there something wrong with me or you know it's like sometimes I need so much sleep and then other times I I'm like amped up and I just want to like write down all my ideas and I don't want to go to sleep and she was like you can just listen to your body (laughs) she was like if you are awake and you have ideas you know write them down listen to your body make the music watch the movie that you're watching like it's okay to just listen to that. And if you need to take a nap the next day, do it. And that like advice that simple really changed my relationship with sleep. And I feel so much better now. Um, I have, when I first got here, I would get up at eight every morning. Cause I just felt like if I didn't, I was being unproductive and I wouldn't, I would be in class till 11 p.m. Um, in my acting class. And then we would all go out. It was normal. We'd always like go out to the bar after. Um, and even if, you know, I didn't drink, which was most of the time, I'd still go socially. So I would get home at 1 or 2 a.m. And then I would be getting up at 8, no matter how long it took me to wind down. And I like completely crashed by the end of that year because I was never sleeping. I was going to bed late because that's what my body does. I was getting up early because I thought I had to. Like I still had this programming in me. And now unless I have to get up for a shoot, I don't set an alarm. And, you know, it's like every self-development book I've ever read says get up at the same time every day. Mm -hmm. And that does not work for me because I go through periods of time where I'm going to bed at 4 a.m. And if I want to do that and I can sleep till noon, I should. And I'm like, I'm for the first time in my life sleeping about eight hours every night. And it's because I'm not forcing myself to get up at the same time. If I go to bed at 2 a.m., my body will wake up after I am rested. If I go to bed, this rarely happens, but at 11, because especially if I've had a long week, I'll get up when I'm rested. And it really has been only in the past year that I've been allowing myself that. And I'm like, I am so much more um, happy and like my creativity is more consistent with this inconsistent sleep schedule 
because I'm actually rested. I'm just listening to my body. It's awesome. Um, obviously, if you know, if I was on a show and I had to get up at 5 a.m. every day, then I would. But the reality is, like, when you're working as a series regular on a TV show or when you're working on a, a film, let's say you're working on a film for a month, um, those it's not like you have normal hours with that either. Like, there are days where you have to get up at 5 and there are days where you have night shoots. So this sort of, like, chaotic get-in-the-sleep-when-I-can schedule is actually perfect for the line of work that I am in. And I'm so glad that I have completely rejected all, almost all advice I've ever been given (laughs) because I'm like so much happier now. That sounds so healthy. The, um, the advice that it sounds like was best for you and should be the advice for everyone was actually permission to live the way that suits yourself. I think that it's made me just enjoy things more too, just in my life. Like I remember that writer um, that I mentioned earlier, Joe, like he is a, a, he's like a big name in like comic con circuit, I guess. Um, And like geek culture. And so he would go to comic con every year as a guest. And just as a rule, he would only go to, you know, programming or he would only allow them to schedule programming for him like after like noon Mm -hmm. and I have always struggled because I love going to conventions and I love doing like speaking engagements at conventions or working for friends at conventions whatever it is um I love those things going to those things and I always struggle with the fact that like first of all it's super normalized in con culture like never to sleep like you, you go and you stay up all night and then you go to things in the morning. And I was always miserable. And I realized like, oh my gosh, I can do the late night stuff and I can choose to sleep through the morning. Like there, I'm not obligated to go to things in the morning just because I've paid for a ticket for this convention or just because I'm attending, whatever. Like I can make my schedule work in a way that will make me feel good. This is like a complete realization for me. You know, it's so crazy. It was was really funny is that I've had the same realization, the same assertion to myself, putting my foot down for the opposite part of the day where I go back to my hotel and miss whatever dance party is happening at night because... Even though that is considered the cherry on top of the day for most people, even though it feels like, oh, why why are you leaving now? We're just getting started. That's my bedtime. That's when I need to go home and read a book by myself. I will be so ready for that 9 a.m. panel. This is getting me so excited for the fact that we're about to be at a convention with each other in a couple of weeks. And we're going to make lunch dates so that... (laughs) We're on the same schedule for one part of the day, and it's going to be super awesome. I'm glad we have some overlap, (laughs) even when we're in the same time zone. There are a few hours that we're awake at the same time when in the same time zone. It's been a really empowering thing for 
understanding myself and how I move through the day to know what I like to do at certain times of day. And I love meeting people for lunch. I love meeting people for that afternoon walk because I know that I create best first thing in the morning. In fact, I know that when my head is empty in the morning, that is the most precious time. And something that I've learned about recording this podcast, even though I'm very awake at eight in the morning, I need to allow some extra time before we get on this call to do some journaling, to do some writing and satisfy that that creative need for myself before hopping over to a collaboration. Do you have similar understandings about how you spend your creative energy? One thing that's been really helpful for me, and this is perhaps a whole other episode, it is a whole other episode, is like I have to meditate before I do something creative. Mm. Um, my my you know, my rigid daily practices of meditating, journaling, and this gratitude list and often exercising every day as well. Like those things keep me sane, um, regardless of sleep, regardless of what I have to work on that day. Um, I do those things and it's, it's laborious. Like I have probably, if you, if you count exercising every day, you know, I have at least two hours of like daily practices that I must do. And I mean, we could go into a whole other conversation about, you know, mental health and and um, clearing your head before you create things. But, like, I have really made that list so that I can survive in this sort of chaotic time zone, changing, traveling all the time, going to bed at different hours, lifestyle. Like, I think the fact that I have meditation, journaling, all these things that I've already listed, um, maybe keeps me so grounded that I'm able to have more flexibility in the actual hours that I'm working or sleeping. I think grounding the, I I really like the word grounding for, as we're talking about routines and where we are most comfortable. I think that wherever you are on the creative clock, on the creative time zone, it's so important to have those check-in points whether it is a meditation or the stability of knowing that you'll wake up at a certain time or go to sleep by a certain time and that's what's really standing out as interesting to me is that that's what we have in common even though it looks different yeah like we're actually yeah we're very similar like so many of the discoveries that we've had that have freed up our creativity have been the same they've just happened at different hours but i do think the meditation thing is interesting or, you know, like you journaling before we podcast, because like I find that so many of my favorite artists are all med- like all huge advocates for meditation. Mm-hmm. And I think that especially if you're super successful, you know, have many obligations, many irons in the fire all the time, or maybe this is just true for, you know, any for anyone. Um you have to have practices that keep you grounded and clear your mind so that you can be flexible and be on a lot of the time. And for me, I'm genuinely a nicer person because I do those things. And 
I have not always done them. And I find myself day to day genuinely shocked that people are able to function without those things, without grounding, without daily practices. I'm like, how is anyone surviving? Because I'm just like, if I'm just at the whims of my schedule, mm. I'm, I feel like I'm reactive and anxious. Yeah. Like I have to have those things that bring me back to myself. What I'm realizing as you're talking about meditation in the morning is that I, I have to meditate or rest. And by rest, I mean not do anything, not watching, not be watching a, a TV show or listening to a podcast, just lying down for a nap. I have that as a grounding part of my day every afternoon around two or three in the afternoon. An idea that I'm toying with is calling it my East Coast morning, where Beautiful. I have... Yeah, I, um, my family, um, my parents live on the East Coast. A lot of my closest friends live on the East Coast. And so messages from them will come in in my afternoon, their morning, and they'll say good morning to me. And I feel like because I'm an early bird, I get gifted this second start of a second morning. And it's funny to me that I use meditation as a sort of reset in my afternoon of here's my second morning. And even though I don't meditate in the morning like you do, I do in my East Coast morning. So do you actually nap? Like, do you sleep? Or is it more of just a be still for a while? It depends on the day and on my circumstances, of course. So during the festival or when I'm traveling, I will have an, a meditation on my my phone and I might be sitting on a bench somewhere and it just looks like I'm listening to a podcast, but I'm meditating. And if I'm at home and I feel like it, I will change into pajamas and set a timer for 25 minutes and close my eyes and rest some days if I need it or if I if I really feel like it. And that dissuades me from sleeping in in the morning as well because I know that I can cash in on a nap later. I would also just love to applaud that you actually get into pajamas for this because I, I am a huge fan of the pajama. <laughs> we are both huge fans of the pajama, the classic matching pajama set. But um, <laughs> but more than that, like you, it, it feels like a sacred practice. Like you are really honoring that this is a ritual you have built for yourself by like shedding off your clothes, you know, your your work wear, your day wear, putting the pajamas on, laying down, like you're t communicating to yourself, no, this is another thing that I'm doing. Like this is mandatory rest. That's what I call it. Yeah, and that's Amazing. how that's how I beat the sleep disorder really was taking data on when I sleep, how well I sleep what affects it. And I realized that what really gets me off is if I don't plan and I I sleep in or I sleep at strange hours of the day for too long, if I'm as consistent as possible and include this period of, of rest for 25 minutes in the afternoon, then that's how I stay stable. 
we've mentioned a few elements of our routines of what grounds us. And I'm wondering where those ideas came from. What inspired your morning and evening routines? Um, and is there anything on your on your rituals wish list that you're looking to incorporate? Well, I would definitely like to edit something that I said earlier. I basically said I have no nighttime routine um, besides like washing my face or whatever. But that's actually changed in the past few couple months since moving in with my roommate. Um, I think part of the reason I'm also sleeping so much better is no matter what time, unless I get home really late, which does happen, um, we almost always watch an episode, at least one episode of something every night together. And we catch up on our days and we trash talk and we (laughs) make dinner and eat frozen grapes and (laughs) we like almost every night of my life now I watch something with her at night and um that is definitely a routine so I think that I have come up with a practice and um and that maybe that's part of why I've been sleeping so much better lately too um in terms of what inspired me the you know these these practices that I've mentioned today tonight um tonight because for me Zandra <laughs> it's the middle of the night right now um 1 41 a.m to be exact um <laughs> they the the concepts came from a bunch of different places and and it's just I'm I just I sincerely wish for every person I know to have the kind of structures that I've created in my own life, especially because they are practices and they're not at a certain time. I can do them whenever I wake up. Um, And I just think that I'm a completely different person because of these things being in my life the past few years. So I learned morning pages, the three pages longhand, just brain dump journaling from The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron which is something I will definitely dedicate a whole episode to at some point. Um, I have always been a journaler and I started morning pages specifically and like the three page um, requirement in 2013 when I read The Artist's Way. And I've basically been doing it ever since. I have journals dating back to when I was 11, but I've been doing this specific practice every day almost every single day since 2013 and you know it's like at this point I can't imagine not doing it the gratitude list is definitely because of the secret and the meditation was originally because of David Lynch which is such a lovely little callback to our episode one he and so many other artists and actors and performers and athletes that I admire all meditate and I resisted meditation my entire life because I thought that there was no way in hell that I could do it right I always insisted that I had no interest in doing that because I'm like mind is always spinning and therefore I would be so uncomfortable and anxious sitting in meditation for any amount of time and then I heard this podcast once where this self-development guy, uh, Brendan Burchard, was talking about meditation, how he does it every day. And he said, like, for the first 10 minutes, he is miserable every single time. Every time still. And I was like, oh, wait, I don't have to be good at it? 
Like, Mm -hmm. I don't have to be peaceful. I can be uncomfortable. And, like, even this person who I admire, like, and is, like, you know, leading voice in whatever field, oh, he's uncomfortable. Like, that's just part of it. And so after I heard that, I swear that was the first time I voluntarily meditated, like, that day. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I really am, like, a different person because of these simple things. And I think for me, ending the evening in connection with my roommate is just so helpful because having the practice of catching up with someone I love, talking about our day, sharing an experience with each other, it's so grounding and it so settles me down. And yeah, it just gets me ready to end the day. Now, what about you? Because I know you have many daily practices and we've I've heard so much about some of them, including the nap. Um, but I want to know where you learned each of these things or what you took them from. I have an exercise that I I lead in workshops sometimes and I do for myself, which I call the fictional day buffet, where you imagine what your ideal daily life day would be from waking up to going to bed. And every element of it has to be inspired by a fictional world. I love to check in with myself and take borrow little elements from movies, books, TV shows that I love. Um, and, and just imagine if I could be dressed by birds like Cinderella in the morning, just go crazy with um, sky's the limit, not thinking about the practicalities of it. And some of my favorite rituals have come from letting my imagination run wild like that. For example, one of my favorite movies is Captain Fantastic, which stars Viggo Mortensen as a dad who has all of these kids that live in deep in the forest and they live this um they live this life away from the rest of humanity and they're very much outdoors. And at night, you see the the opening scene in the film is is sort of going through their daily routine. And at night, they let, they have a campfire and they're all reading around the campfire, whether it's a physics textbook or a Russian novel. They're all just sitting there by by firelight in in the outdoors reading. And that was just the picture of bliss for me. So now, a staple in my day is I always have reading time at the end of the day, whether it's for 10 minutes or for an hour. That is how I wind down. And as a separate note, I've learned from that scene that I love reading outdoors. So I do that whenever possible as well, even if it's not right before I go to bed. I love reading out loud. Hmm. Someday when I settle down, I would, I mean, I, that's really a, that is a fantasy of mine is like, gosh, I would love to find a partner who loves reading out loud as much as I do. Because like, for example, I have some friends, um, Sarah Mortensen and her partner, Orlando, who are friends from the Harry Potter Granger Leadership Academy community. They love reading out loud to each other. And I think that is just the most romantic thing and the most grounding thing. Um, and yeah, what a way to just feel like you're coming back home. And I have just 
so wowed by the way that you have created this fantasy for other people too. Like you've given other people permission to, to take little parts of the stories that they love. Like that's a completely new idea for me. Um, and now I'm going to be thinking about it all week and I'm going to have to report back to you with some ideas. Um, I just love that. Thank you. It's, I, I find that to be such a helpful exercise, whether you're, whether you're designing your routine or figuring out what you want at all is just letting the, letting the sky, letting the universe be the limit and letting yourself laugh a little bit at how ridiculous your dream is and then seeing the poignancy in it. There's usually some sort of truth that you're not, that I'm not letting myself see at first glance because I have this editor in my brain saying, well, that's not possible. Birds can't, birds can't style people, (laughs) which brings us back to um, early birds. (laughs) I'm so inspired by this, Sandra, and and I am going to probably email you at some point this week with some ideas about my perfect day because I, I certainly feel sometimes like I don't know what it is. I love that I've created so much flexibility in my life, but I've chosen a lifestyle where sometimes I have to work a 16 hour day and sometimes I don't work at all. And so that's always made that question so difficult for me. Mm. But I'm really inspired by, you know, using this element of fantasy and and my own favorite stories and taking little bits and pieces from those. That's just a really exciting piece of homework now. Well, enjoy. And I would love if anyone's listening and comes up with any ideas to adjust their routine from their fictional worlds. I would love, love, love to hear those. And I would also just love to hear people telling us what their routines are and, and where they got them from. Because I do feel like there are certain things that come up with many people, like morning pages. Um, or or I would love to hear about the sleep schedules thing. I know that there are even a couple books that people are huge fans of about different sleep patterns. Um, of course, none of which I can remember because I haven't read any of them. But... There's Daily Rituals by Mason Curry. Yes, that is the one I hear of most, I think. And... I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, but he wrote a second book which focuses on just women. There's also another there's another book that was really popular last year called Why Sleep. So that's something to to look into perhaps. But I think that you know my favorite part of of making this episode with you is that we both really learned what works for ourselves individually. And we're lucky enough to have built lives for ourselves that work around that. And I think that like, you know, any job or any lifestyle can have elements of this. And I just, you know, I I wish that when I was even younger, I had heard someone say, oh, no, there are artists who are, you know, creating their work from 12 a.m. to 5 a.m. So hopefully someone listening to this will will get an idea or hear some permission and like be able to adjust accordingly and if you do send us a letter please send us a letter i'll remind everyone that our p.o box and email address are at the end of this episode and in the show notes and we would love to hear from you yeah it was such a treat to get our first letter in the mail i'm gonna frame it oh you should 
Yeah, I absolutely should. And I sent you like a whole scanned PDF of it because, because you know, we, we, we're, we're uh, countries apart, um, oceans apart. But I just think it's so cool that we're doing this with the P.O. Box. And I just look forward to, you know, the years ahead and seeing what kind of notes we get. So what is the art life? The art life is whatever I choose it to be. I was going to say something similar. You can. I, I was thinking along the lines of the art life is finding your own way. So Zandra, we've talked today about our sleep schedules, our daily practices, letters that we write and receive, and the times when we create our art. Where can people find yours? You can find my writing at heroinetraining.com. That's where I publish my essays, vignettes, and poems. And the easiest way to receive them is in your inbox. So you can go to heroinetraining.com slash subscribe, and I'll email you my writing every week, and that's for free. I also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash heroinetraining, where I can read you a bedtime story if you wish, and I have I record my essays as an audiobook podcast called Read by Zandra, so there's a tier to enjoy the bedtime story version as well. Grace, where can people find your art? I am posting on Patreon, patreon.com slash official. That's where I drop more frequent updates. I drop individual podcast episodes, uh, modeling work, films, etc. as they come out. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned the bedtime story thing because I was actually thinking about recording some little uh, bedtime stories and um, a video perhaps of love letters of great women, um, women from history, after we recorded our letters episode last week. Patreon has just been such a gift because I can explore and experiment with ideas like that and just share them with my smaller community. And um, yeah, that's where I'm posting most of my things. Otherwise, I don't want a DM on Instagram, <laughs> as stated in the beginning of this episode. Business inquiries only. Can you say a bit more about the, the video about the bedtime stories? So um, I've had a lot of people tell me, either from podcasting or meeting me in person, um, that they love my, my speaking voice. The irony here, of course, is that I'm sick right now, so I'm all self-conscious while saying this. Um, <laughs> but um, I've, I've had a lot of people encourage me to read audiobooks, and uh, a number of months ago, a friend of mine, like a social media friend, Chris Turco, who's a writer, he said, you should record some bedtime stories for your patrons. He said, like, I, he said, or like, even just record, you know, reading a chapter of your favorite book, because like, he said, your your vocal quality is so soothing. So um, I loved that idea. And then shortly after that, I read this book of love letters of great women 
um, which I mentioned in our last episode. And I just really love the idea, especially as an insomniac, or uh, until recently I was an insomniac. Um, I love this idea of, of creating that for my community, just like, just as a perk, just for fun, just dropping it in the feed. Um, because I have all this recording equipment and I think that it would just be lovely. And, you know, whether it's a video of love letters or little sound clips for bedtime stories, I just like came up with the idea recently and said, well, that would just be a nice little gift to give people. I love that idea. And it is so representative of your Patreon, which is is just this surprise grab bag of of art. And I, I, you've got me thinking as well about how that would be such a wonderful way to be introduced to your favorite books, where I am always looking for new favorite books in the same way that I'm looking for new favorite songs. And that's such an easy way to sample it and such a special way to hear it in, in your voice. I'm very much excited about that. So what you're saying is... For your birthday next year, <laughs> you want me to record an audiobook of your favorite book. <laughs> that is like the most labor intensive and amazing gift idea I've ever come up with. I love, I love am overly ambitious gift giving. That's an episode as well. <laughs> well, wherever we choose to go next week, we have so many, so many topics to explore and we'll see everyone next week we'll talk to everyone next week see you next week whether it's the morning or the evening or the afternoon when you're listening to this i hope you're having a wonderful time bye bye this is the art life a heroin training podcast with grace gordon and me zandra robinson burns You can find us online at theartlife.show and send letters to The Art Life, care of Grace Gordon, P.O. Box number 4292, Valley Village, California, 91607, or email us, theartlife at heroinetraining.com. Our theme music is The Stream by Rory. Thank you for joining us.